The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Welcome to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCoon. I serve as pastor of Zion Church. We're a congregation of believers who trust in the simple message of God's sovereign grace, where families come together to worship God in spirit and in truth through the simplicity of preaching, praying, and singing. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. If you live in the Gordo area or if you are visiting in the area, please join us for worship. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on the first and third Wednesday evenings at 630 p.m. In yesterday's message, we began to see the glorious truth that no matter how much we think we're spinning our wheels here, we are going somewhere. That's what predestination means. It means that our destination has been preset, been predetermined, even from before the foundation of the world. When we feel like we're going nowhere here in this life, look up, child of God. We're going to the best place possible, the place of glory, peace, and joy with the Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
You see, it's not impersonal. Notice what he says. Fear not, I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. In eternity past, when he purposed to save his people, he didn't just say, well, I'm just going to close my eyes and throw a dart at the board and whoever it hits, it hits. No, beloved, he chose you. He chose you in Christ before the foundation. He chose me in Christ. I have called thee by thy name. It is a personal uh, call. It is a personal choice. It is a personal redemption. He is a personal Savior. And then he goes on to tell us that when thou passest through the waters, I'll be with thee. Through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. In other words, I'm going to be with you here and now. I'm going to be with you here in this life. I'm going to be with you through all the struggles of life. I'm going to be with you through all the times that you don't feel like anybody else is there. And maybe nobody else is there. You know, oftentimes we say, well, at least somebody loves me. But there are times when maybe nobody loves you. You may be at that point. Job felt like he was at that point. Job felt like he was at the point where nobody loved him. And he might have been just about right. Even his wife, who no doubt had feelings for him and loved him, she wasn't loving him the way she should. She said, you just forsake God and die. That's what you need to do. She wasn't giving him good counsel. His friends, his miserable comforters were there, and, and they were just uh, uh, telling him all these things that weren't helping him. They were saying, Job, you're the problem here. It's because of some sin you've committed that you're being uh, persecuted like this. You're being chastened. And they were wrong. Job wasn't all right, but... He wasn't as wrong as they were. Do you know where he got to what gave him comfort? In the 19th chapter over there, he said, he said, I've got some things to say here. I'm paraphrasing. You turn and read it sometime. He said, these things I'm about to say, I wish they were graven with an iron pen in the rock forever. You know why? Because Job is saying, I've got something important to say. And, and, and what he didn't realize was as much as he thought that would preserve him, God preserved him. <laughs> he was saying things that God would preserve because he knew that we would need to hear him. He says, for I know that my Redeemer liveth. I know that my Redeemer liveth. He had, all, he had no friends. He had no one on his side. Even his wife had forsaken him. But I know that my Redeemer liveth. In the midst of these troubles, he said, in the midst of these troubles of life, he knew his God was there. And you know the rest of that story, God did show up. And he called Job on the carpet, but he certainly, he certainly called those others on the carpet as well. But then notice what Job said, Job chapter 19, verse 25. For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God. What was Job's great hope? Number one, that he had a redeemer because he knew he needed one. He'd seen himself as a sinner he was. He understood that he had no righteousness within himself. He'd asked the question already, how shall a man be just with God? He knew he couldn't justify himself before God. So he knew he had to have a redeemer. He said, I know that my redeemer liveth. I think God asked him 88 questions in chapters 38 through 41. And not a one of those could Job answer. He didn't know the answer to those, but he knew this. 
He knew something that was very important. I know that my Redeemer liveth. And what's his second hope? And that he shall stand in the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God. You see, the great hope that Job had was, number one, that he had a Redeemer, but not just that his Redeemer was up in heaven and was going to stay there and he was going to be left down here on this earth. He said, my Redeemer is coming to get me one day. Even if I have died, my Redeemer is coming. That's what Abraham was showing in type and shadow over in Genesis chapter 22 when God told him to go up on the mountain and sacrifice his son. We, we cringe at that, don't we? We think about that. But you know, Abraham, how could Abraham do this? I'll tell you how Abraham could do this. Because Abraham knew that God had promised that Isaac would be his heir. And he knew that even if he slew him, God would bring him back to life. You see, he knew that death was not the end. In Isaiah 43, verse 5, Fear not, for I am with thee. Right now, I'm with you. Yes, but there's something better coming. Fear not, for I am with thee. I will bring thy seed from the east and gather thee from the west. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, keep not back. Bring my sons from far and my daughters from the ends of the earth, even every one that is called by my name. You see, the rest of the story here in Isaiah is that, yes, God has chosen us in Christ before the foundation of the world. And yes, Jesus came and died for us on the cross. And yes, the Holy Spirit quickens us in time. But one day, He's coming back to get us. Turn with me over to Ephesians chapter 1, and I want to show you what that little predestination thing is all about <laughs> it's a glorious thing you see over in Galatians uh, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4 he says according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will I'm stopping there in the middle of a sentence but I want you to look at this predestination this predestinated uh, concept up here it, it, you're, you think you're spinning your wheels you don't think you're going anywhere in life it looks like my life is a dead end praise God child of God it's not a dead end you are going somewhere where are you going you've been predestinated under the adoption of children turn with me back over to Romans chapter 8 I know we're going several places this morning but I think we need to read this and get this over in Romans chapter 8 we start out that chapter talking about the carnal man and walking in the flesh and he begins to uh, gravitate toward the the, the curse of sin that's around us and he gets into verse 18 and talks about the sufferings of this present time then he goes down in verse uh, 19 for the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God now what he's talking about there when he says the creature he's talking about that created thing within us that thing that's inside every born again child of God that, that pure heart, that, that new heart He's given us, that thing that will never die. What is it that it's expecting? It's an earnest expectation. And it's waiting for what? For the manifestation or the revealing of the sons of God. Whatever circumstance you're in, whatever problem you're having at work or in your family or in your home or in uh, your church or just in your daily walk out there, whatever it is, there is a longing within you for the time when that which is perfect will be made manifest. He said, the creature is longing, waiting, earnestly expecting the manifestation of the sons of God. That's where I find myself today. I am earnestly expecting. I'm not, I'm not satisfied with where we are. He says the creature was made subject to vanity. 
not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. What he's talking about there is the new birth. In other words, the new birth occurs not by your will. And, and it was placed, that new creature is placed within you, and now it's subject to the vanity of life, the emptiness of life. But there's also hope, you see. Because the creature itself shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. See, there's a day coming, child of God, that's going to be better than today. Now listen, I'm enjoying right now. I'm enjoying being with you. I'm enjoying this time together. I feel the Spirit of the Lord. I'm so thankful that He's shown up here to be with us this morning. I'm looking forward to the fellowship. I'm looking forward to the, the meal. I'm looking forward to, to tonight's service. This, this is going to be, this is a good day. This is a good day in my estimation. But it's not the best day. It's not even close to the best day. Think about the best day of your life. Think about, you know, I've had a series that I could probably sit down and make out a list of the best days of my life. The day I was married, the day my children were born, various things that happened in my life. None of those hold a candle to the best day, which is going to be the day that he's talking about here. When the creature will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Now keep reading here with me. For we know. I know what I know this. You know this. Listen to this. We know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. Don't you see it, child of God? I read I saw I read on in an online news outlet this weekend that Birmingham, Alabama had the 99th and 100th murder of the year this past weekend. I groan about that. Some of the things that I read, I've, you know, I've traded off, as, as most of you know, I was a prosecutor in my first career, and now as a judge, I'm not having to go into the courtroom daily. I used to have to see things that I didn't really particularly want to see. Now I have to read about them. <laughs> I read about them from all over the state. Terrible things, children being abused and murdered, people being taken advantage of. I groan over that. My spirit groans. The whole creation groans. A hurricane formed in the Gulf this or in the Atlantic this past weekend. I think I saw where a second one formed. What is that? That's the whole creation groaning. Why do earthquakes happen? Why do whirlwinds and tornadoes happen? Because the creation is cursed by sin and it's groaning and travailing in pain together until now. But look at verse 23. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. In other words, children of God, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for something. Notice, we're waiting for something. What is it we're waiting for? Waiting for the adoption. What did he tell us? Over in Ephesians chapter 1, we're predestinated unto the adoption of children. Notice he says here something about adoption. What is adoption? He tells us right here, to wit, the redemption of our bodies. I know we kid about it a lot. Brother Mackey and I talk about it. But my old body is not getting better and better, you know. Things aren't just getting better and better for me. You young folks, I'm sorry to tell you, it ain't going to get better and better. Right now, you can... Play soccer, you can cut down trees, you can do all kinds of things. We had some pine beetles getting three or four of our pine trees in the yard the other day. And thank God for son-in-laws. 
praise God, Seth can cut a tree down. So, so I told people back, I was telling one of my fellow judges, I said, you know, I, I had to cut three trees down this, this weekend, but I realized I was really lying about that. I would not intentionally lying, but that wasn't exactly right. I didn't cut a tree down. <laughs> I stood by and watched Seth cut the tree down. Now, when I was Seth's age, I could cut the tree down. Well, I never was too much of a tree cutter, but I could have got in there and I could have handled that saw a whole lot better. But now I'm looking for people to help me. You see, I'm not getting better and better. I'm not getting stronger and stronger. I find myself weaker and weaker. But one day, as I grow on here, my body is going to be redeemed. Don't let anybody tell you that these bodies are going to be over and done with uh, when we lay them in the ground out there. Now, yes, we're going to be separated from them for a while. We're told that when we die, our spirit goes immediately to be with the Lord. And the spirits of all those that have died are there right now. We're told that when Abraham died, he was gathered to his fathers. His body stayed here, but his spirit went on up to be with the place where his fathers were, you see. But one day, this old body is going to rise out of the ground. Now, now we're in a new building now, and we can't do like we used to, but used to when we were in the other building over there. Sometimes about this time of the year when things got a little cooler and uh, the weather got just right, we would open the front doors and we'd open the back doors, and you could look out the back door there right out into the cemetery, and it was a nice little thing a nice little experience and I've always said when we were doing that wouldn't it be glorious if the Lord came back while I'm preaching up here and those doors are open I don't know what the uh, what the twinkling of an eye is and I don't know how long we would have to for it to dawn upon us but wouldn't it be glorious if if I was preaching up here with my back to that open door and I started seeing the congregation's eyes get wide as they see the graves come open and the and the Lord coming back to take them home because we're told over in first Thessalonians chapter 4 if you want to turn over there with me you can and we'll read a little bit about about it that there were some Thessalonians over there that were they were they were getting down and out about those that had died and they said uh, they were apparently concerned about them and that they had died and gone on and now what is, what's going to happen to them and in chapter 4 and verse 13 he says I would not have you to be ignorant brethren concerning them which are asleep beloved I don't want you to be ignorant that is unknowing about the things of the Lord we need to know these things he said, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. He didn't say we shouldn't sorrow when people die. We've lost loved ones even recently, and we sorrow over it, but I don't sorrow without hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. I love the fact that he calls it sleep, Brother Mackey. You know, it's not sleep to me because when someone dies, I can't wake them. But it's sleep to the Lord because through his voice, he can wake them, you see. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them. The word prevent means to go before. Shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. I'm so thankful he didn't leave this to his angels. You know, in John chapter 14, he tells us, I would not have your heart to be troubled. He said, let, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. He said, for I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back to receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. You see, the Lord's not going to send somebody down there and say, hey, go get them and try to get them all. Hope you can get them all and maybe, maybe, you may, they may be hiding over here. They may be lost over there. You may, good luck. No, that's not what he said. He said, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout.
and with the voice of the archangel with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. There's not a person who's ever been buried at sea whose body I could recover. There's not a man alive today. There's not a person alive today, a forensic scientist or what, that could cobble together the, the parts of the bodies of those that were obliterated on 9-11. They're still finding DNA on the tops of roofs up there. There's nobody today that could, but you know, I know one who can. I know one who it doesn't matter if their bodies descended to the depths of the Marianas Trench when they were buried at sea. The Lord said, the dead in Christ shall rise. He's going to bring it back. He's going to put those bodies. He knows where every atom of every body of every child of God that's ever died is. And through his marvelous power, he's going to bring them back together. He says, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. I'm also glad that the end times aren't complicated. I know the world teaches a whole complicated system of end times and prophecies and all that. What I read in the word of the Lord is, is that when he comes back, we're going to ever be with him. We read over in 1 Corinthians 15, I believe it is. Let's just turn there, bring this to a close. 1 Corinthians 15, he says, verse 22, As in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. That's all of his children he's talking about there. But every man in his own order, for Christ the firstfruits, and afterward they that are Christ that is coming. Then cometh the end. I'm glad that the end is coming. Isn't that great? Isn't that glorious? Brother Lonnie Mazingo preached a message about this a few weeks ago. The operative word in that whole chapter really there is the word end. I don't know what you're facing in life, but there's an end to it. I don't know what troubles you're having right now, but it's coming to an end. I don't know what kind of sickness you're experiencing. I don't know what kind of death you're facing, but it's coming to an end. Then cometh the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God even the Father, we talk, a lot of people want to talk about a kingdom coming down, but I read about a kingdom going up when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power, for he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. So preacher, that really sounds good, but what if he misses somebody? What if, what if, what if I'm not living like I ought to? What if I'm not doing right? What if now look, you ought to live right. and You ought to do right. And he says with this view in mind, it'll spur you on to live right and to do right. But according to the 10th chapter of John over there, he tells us that there's no man able to pluck his children out of his hand. No man can pluck them out of my hand. He said, my father is greater than all and I and my father in one and no man, no man can pluck them out of my father's hand. As we close, back over in Isaiah 43, what did he say? Fear not, I'm with thee. I'm with you here, but here's something even more glorious. I will bring thy seed. I will bring every one of my children from the east and gather thee from the west and will say to the north, give up, and to the south, keep not back. Bring my sons from far and my daughters from the end of the earth. I don't care how far the far country is that you've gotten yourself into. We read about over in the 
believe it's the 16th chapter of Luke, but don't hold me to that, about a man who had 100 sheep. 99 of them were doing what they were supposed to do. They were in the fold. They were where they ought to be. They were right where they ought to be. There was one that was out on the hillsides, out in the mountains, lost and away from home. He did not send a delegation to tell the sheep how to get back home. He did not send a message to tell the sheep, if you'll just get back on this path and stay on it, if you'll call out to me, if you'll uh, continue to be faithful to me, if you'll walk in the right way, I'll get you home. No, he just went out on the hillside. He picked that sheep up, put it on his shoulders, and brought it home. That's what he's talking about. He's going to bring us home. Romans 8, verse 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. You may not feel like you're going some, anywhere. You're going somewhere. You're going to be conformed to his image. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. That's the new birth there, child of God. And whom he called, them he also justified. That's Jesus Christ dying for us on the cross. And so far, so far, the same number that he foreknew, he predestinated, the same number he predestinated, he, he called, the same number he called, he justified. Look at this. In whom he justified, then he also glorified. That's the resurrection we're talking about. Every single one of his children from the east, west, north, and south, he's going to bring them home. You may feel like you're not going anywhere. But you are going somewhere, child of God. You're going home. You will be there with him. I appreciate your kind attention this morning. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.